G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, coming back to the heart of our Christianity today and where we get guidance for our lives. I'm talking about the Bible. Let's talk about how reliable the Bible is. And specifically today, talking about the reliability of the New Testament. Dr. John Dixon is one of the founders of the Center for Public Christianity and has a degree in theology, a doctorate in ancient history, specializes in the birth of Christianity. And John is joining us to talk through some of the issues about the Bible. Hello, John. Welcome back to 2020. Thanks. Lovely to be back with you. John, great to talk to you. And on a very, very important issue, because we need, as Christians, to be confident about the way we see the foundations of our faith. And it comes back to having confidence in the Bible. Do you note that there is a a shaking that's going on? People's confidence in the Scriptures is somehow under attack? Well, it is, um, and there are a number of reasons for this. There there is a small minority of senior professional scholars who are out to critique everything in the New Testament. Uh, But I'd say they're no more than maybe 10% of the tens of thousands of professional New Testament scholars around the world. But they get a lot of the airtime, because what they come up with is more controversial. And, of course, the media is interested in controversy. I, I don't personally think the media, public media, is out to get us as Christians, but I do think they're interested in things that are more exciting and controversial. And because these scholars who you know, come up with some latest theory about you know, Jesus having a wife, maybe Jesus being divorced, maybe Jesus never even living, these, uh, this minority of scholars have something intriguing and exciting to say from a media point of view, they get the airtime. And what that means is the listening public has a hugely skewed view of what professional scholars uh, think about the New Testament and about Jesus. So you'd have the impression, I reckon, if you just listen to your, you know, your public radio or uh, read your Fairfax newspapers or whatever, that we hardly know anything about Jesus or that the story of Jesus in the Gospels is not reliable. But that's really just a skewing of what is the reality that most professional scholars, regardless of what faith they have, agree that we know an awful lot about Jesus and the Jesus of the Gospels is a real historical figure. So yes, lots of skepticism out there. Uh, It's mainly due to the kind of media excitement, but the reality is there's a lot of really sensible stuff going on as well that is quite supportive of the Christian faith. And John, would it be a normal thing for a Christian believer, you might even be a young believer, you might be a believer for some time, to, if you have doubts, to explore those and to open up the possibilities that you might find something that disturbs you, but to actually dig a little deeper and find out about the reliability of the Bible? I'm a great believer in not suppressing our doubts, but allowing the doubts to be opportunities to pursue things at a deeper level. 
I fear that a lot of Christians, if they have a doubt, they feel it's a bad thing, like God, you know, is reading their mind, thinking bad thoughts about them. Um, and so what, what we tend to do is never talk about our doubts as Christians. We, we try and suppress it. And of course, that just makes things worse. I'd much rather a culture in the church that said, look, there's so much out there that's, uh, that's against us um, that it's, it's just obvious that people are going to doubt from time to time, especially as so much hangs on this. You know, it's not like we're just thinking about Julius Caesar. No one walks around each day fretting about how much we know about Julius Caesar um, because it doesn't really impact our lives. But as soon as salvation you know, depends on, on what we think of these things. Um, our vision of the good in the world depends on this. It amps it up so much that I think many of us think, wow, so much depends on this. I really hope it's true. And that hope actually produces a kind of nervous doubt. So I say, let's just be honest about that and allow the doubts to form better conversations, but also to inform our reading, because there's lots of stuff to read out there. And I'd love to think uh, people would begin to read some of the more serious and important stuff. Well, John, let's start with some of the basics. And one of the biggest criticisms that people might have, or one of the biggest doubts that even Christian believers might hold, and that is the idea that, well, the Bible's been translated and recopied so many times, how can it be accurate? How do you answer that when people ask you that, perhaps when you're addressing questions in an audience? Well, it's very simple, actually. Um, the New Testament was written in um, ancient Greek, in a particular kind of Greek called Koine Greek, um, common Greek. And we know quite a lot about that language, and more and more every day, actually, as, as more documents are discovered. Uh, our, our knowledge of this Greek is, is really well refined. And so the modern translations in English are direct translations from the Greek. And as someone who has reading fluency in this Greek of the New Testament... I can very confidently say that what I read in my English text is what's there in the Greek text. There, there, nothing slippery has gone on. It, it is as good a translation of the Greek as any, say, modern novel translated from French, like the great Le Miserable novel by Victor Hugo, first written in French, but we all read it in English, and we're confident that it's a reliable translation, and it certainly is. And it's the same with the New Testament and the Greek from which it comes. Now, we have lots of different translations of the Bible. Is it the case that when we look for reliability in translation and early manuscripts, we're actually looking at the original languages? When you mention Hebrew or Aramaic or those Greek manuscripts, those are the ones that we need to be having absolute confidence in because there is a sense in which translations into different cultures, into different generations, are going to reflect a different terminology, aren't they? Well, that's true of all translation, and so it's true uh, of uh, English translation of the biblical material. Um, but we have these ancient texts in the very language in which they were written. So there's, no, um, there's nothing to hide. There's no problems. Uh, we have no problem translating Julius Caesar's wars. Um, and so we have no problem translating uh, the letters of Paul. They're just as easy to translate. And you're right, there are many different English translations today, but they're... they're um, all basically say the same thing. If you just line up each sentence along, alongside, they're all uh, attempts to accurately portray what's there in the original language. And the differences are just the differences you would expect from one translator uh, you know, compared to another. But the differences are, not, are quite minimal. And the reason we have different translations, I think, is because some people prefer readability in English. And so 
you know, people would gravitate toward the new international version uh, for that for that sake. Um, others gravitate toward real sort of wooden accuracy in translation, and 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 those people sort of gravitate toward say the New American Standard Bible or the Revised Standard Version or maybe even the English Standard Version. Uh, but they're all real translations. That's the point. Would it be fair to say, John, that when people are choosing different translations, sometimes it's for academic study and other times people are choosing a translation because they want to reflect a a more devotional way of reading? Is there a compromise of the basic truths of Christianity, given that there are different types of translations for us to read? I personally would avoid paraphrases, um, and, and these tend to... Uh, make clear on the cover of the Bible that this is a paraphrase um, rather than a direct translation. Uh, but I, I think all of the mainstream translations, New International Version, English Standard Version, New American Standard Version, uh, these are all good, solid translations from the Greek that are all as worthy as any uh, modern English version of, say... Um, uh, the, the lives of the emperors that we might have from Suetonius, uh, who writes in Latin. Uh, but you can pick up in your local uh, bookstore an English copy of it. Uh, and that's just as good a translation as we have in the New Testament. We're back talking about the reliability of the Bible and with a focus on the New Testament because we want to be able to talk about the reliability of the stories about the life of Jesus because as Christian believers we want to base our lives around this character, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as revealed in those four Gospels in the Bible. Dr. John Dixon is our guest from the Centre for Public Christianity. We're talking about the reliability of the New Testament. John, this is so important, isn't it? Because if we are putting our faith in Jesus, we need to be confident that the Jesus that we read about in those Gospels in the Bible is being accurately reflected from those early manuscripts. Yes, and it's especially so because of uh, the doubts and scepticism thrown at modern Christians in, uh, in popular conversation. So as followers of Jesus, and we look at those events in his life, some people will say, but aren't there some differences that we'll see from gospel account to gospel account uh, that actually could be seen to be contradictions? Well, yes, and they're actually one of the reasons uh, historians can have some degree of confidence, because these things haven't been um, perfectly copied from each other. So it's not like... um, you know, the Gospel of uh, John, uh, he picked up Mark and, you know, made sure he said exactly the same thing. If uh, it was all just the same thing, we might think there's a bit of collusion going on, just as when, uh, I think, uh, detectives, when they interview witnesses, they get suspicious if it's all exactly the same in exactly the same words. It sounds like uh, the witnesses have got together to kind of spin a yarn and make sure it sounds the same. So what detectives look for is the same thing historians look for. A degree of similarity, such as you would expect from uh, people who saw the same event, and a degree of dissimilarity, differences of perspective, which is the sort of thing you'd expect if these witnesses were independent. And this is one of the most important features of the New Testament. We're pretty confident that a bunch of the writers in the New Testament didn't know what was in the other author's material. So uh, most secular scholars are confident that Mark, the author of one of the Gospels, 
had no idea what was in the content of Paul's letters. And Paul certainly didn't have a copy of Mark's Gospel when he wrote his letters. So therefore, these are independent witnesses to the life of Jesus. And this fulfills one of the most important features of historical study. It's called the criterion of multiple attestation, which sounds very uh, pretentious. But all it means is when you have independent witnesses saying roughly the same thing as each other, uh, the portrait of that person or event that they're talking about gains greater plausibility. So if you hear really interesting news from one friend, you might believe it. If you hear it from two friends and you know those two friends haven't got the same information from each other, you're more likely to believe it. If you have it from three or four or five friends, even more likely. Historians look at the New Testament and they say, well, look, we've probably got five to seven completely independent sources that are now together in the New Testament. And they all speak of this figure called Jesus, who was a teacher and a healer, who died and who rose again. So that enhances the historical plausibility of this stuff. So what you're saying is it's not a weakness if there are differences in the story accounts of Jesus. This is actually a strength that attests to the authenticity of the scriptures. That's how historians read it. They see it as an enhancement of their historical uh, truthfulness of the storytelling in the Gospels. And therefore, when we talk about Jesus and when we introduce a friend to Jesus, it's not just a matter of telling a story of the facts the way they are, but giving an opportunity for people to actually study the Scriptures, to look at the different accounts, to recognize that even the accounts written for different cultural audiences, uh, that they are able to actually altogether give us a well-rounded account of who the Son of God is. Yes, well, I came to faith as a 15 or 16-year-old precisely through reading the Gospels. Um, I, there was a teacher at my school who um, allowed a bunch of us uh, to read the Gospels, and, to, and she fielded our questions. And um, I found myself utterly compelled by the figure of Jesus. So I think you can just sit down with the Gospels and uh, find yourself uh, trusting and revering the figure who lived, taught, healed, died, and rose uh, for us. But then I think you can study it in a more academic way as well and sit down and take line by line and compare it to the other Gospels. And I think the, the Gospels stand up. They've faced uh, hundreds of years of severe scrutiny from sceptical people. And the Gospels are standing as tall and strong as they ever have. Let's talk about outside sources, because while you might look to the Bible to prove its own authenticity, and I know that Jesus said, well, you know, you can prove my authenticity by listening to my words. But when we talk about the historical accuracy of these manuscripts, uh, what sort of cross-checks could you be relying on to actually give you all the more uh, a substance to your understanding of the reliability of the New Testament? Well, there are direct non-Christian witnesses to Jesus, such as uh, from the pen of Tacitus, the greatest of ancient Rome's historians, uh, who wrote about the emperors, who is the main source of what we know about imperial Rome. Well, he has a passage in which he um, criticizes the early Christians. He's scathing about them, but in passing refers to Christ, who uh, during the reign of Tiberius was executed under Pontius Pilate. So uh, there's a lovely, clear, non-biblical witness. We have two references in Josephus, a first century Jewish author. Uh, and he writes two paragraphs, one very brief one, where he just refers to uh, a bloke called James, and he says, the brother of Jesus, the so-called Christ. 
so that's just a passing reference to Jesus. And then in another passage, which is heavily debated by scholars, but the consensus is Josephus in this other paragraph at least refers to Jesus as a teacher, as a doer of baffling deeds, the text says, and someone who is executed by crucifixion under Pontius Pilate. So these are non-Christian references uh, from within a century of Jesus that uh, refer to him. But beyond that, we have an enormous amount of what you might call background material that doesn't directly refer to Jesus, but does verify the kinds of things the New Testament itself talks about. So, for instance, we have uh, much discussion uh, in scholarship about the archaeology of Galilee, which has shown pretty much beyond doubt now that the towns Jesus visited from our digging of Nazareth and Capernaum and Chorazin and so on, these towns were thoroughly Jewish towns. The material elements of these towns are quite clearly Jewish, not Greek or Roman. Now that fits with what the Gospels say about these towns. They are Jewish towns according to the Gospels. So the archaeology has supported uh, in a non-direct but pretty powerful way exactly the social context uh, that the Gospels describe for the figure of Jesus. And we could go on. There are plenty of uh, things in the Dead Sea Scrolls written by Jews in the period immediately before Jesus that give us insight into what Jews believed in the period of Jesus. And some of the sayings of Jesus take on fresh power and plausibility because of things we know Jews were discussing in this very period from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, exciting stuff, John. When you say there's authenticity that can be proved within the manuscripts that were written thousands of years ago, then there's the cross-references that you can get from the early church fathers. You can also cross-reference archaeology and the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It all gives us a new confidence to be able to look at the Scriptures and be able to look at the life of Jesus. Now, come down to an important point, and uh, running out of time a little here, but when you've got people listening to our conversation right at the moment who've been you know, doubtful about the Scriptures, and now they're ready to actually open the Bible, where's a good place for people to start uh, to get to know the real Jesus from the pages of the New Testament? I always say you can't go past the Gospel of Luke, partly because uh, this Gospel writer is very historically minded, and you see that from the opening paragraph, and partly because he contains so many of the stories of Jesus meeting those we might call immoral or irreligious, and he welcomes them and eats meals with them and leads them to a full faith. And so for people who are doubting and questioning and wanting to know more, it's the perfect Gospel to actually meet the living Jesus. Well, great insights. Dr. John Dixon, wonderful talking to you and the reliability of the New Testament. It's, uh, it's even more reliable than ever after talking to you. John Dixon, I'll point people to the website publicchristianity.org where people can find out all the good work that you and your colleagues are doing through the Centre for Public Christianity. But always great talking to you, John Dixon. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Thank you. I look forward to it again. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.